Looking for hope? Searching for peace? Seeking guidance? In need of confirmation? You've found Safe Space, where desires collide with destiny, purpose meets passion, hearts are unpacked, and vulnerability becomes a necessity. This is Your Safe Space with Pastor Denise Scott-Williams. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Again, we're in Safe Space. This is the space where we talk about love, marriage, navigating the difficulties, the triumph. This is a space where we are comfortable in our own skin. Today in studio, we have two very, very special guests. And we're going to continue the conversation about marriage, about navigating seasons in marriage about putting God first. How do we not only survive in marriage, but thrive? How do we live a life on top of the world, managing family, managing business, managing finances, managing vacation? How do we go about doing that without losing our minds? Barnas survey says that over 60% of marriages, Christian marriages, end in divorce. That's a staggering number. And the same survey stated that 70% of people now are living together without marriage, without the vow. Another staggering number. All the benefits of marriage without the vow. So there's something about the vow that either prohibits people from coming together and becoming one or what's happening. I'm going to have my guest introduce themselves to our audience. And remember again, hit that subscribe button. Pull up. Pull up a chair, put on your headphones, take notes, and listen. And hopefully, something is said that can change your life, that can help you change that trajectory of your downward spiral in marriage. So, welcome and good morning. I am going to First, start with the beautiful queen to my left. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, how's everybody doing today? Um, I'm Candace Smith. And her husband, go ahead and introduce yourself for us. Excellent morning. My name is Everett Smith. Great, Great to be here. Thank you again. Welcome. Now, this is a safe space, so just relax And we are going to allow the Holy Spirit to help us navigate what this should be about. There is nothing pretentious. This is just authentic conversation. So, Mrs. Smith, Miss Candice, how long have you been married to 
the handsome chocolate, uh, Mr. <laughs> Everett. <laughs> he likes that. He likes that. Don't boost his head up. I, I, no, I have to. I got to get more information. <laughs> I'm glad this is a safe space. It is a safe space. So, Miss Candice, how long have you been married? Um, 2021. 2021. So, we would say that's like newlyweds. Yeah. Ooh, I love newlyweds. Oh, woo. so talk to me, Miss Candice, before we go over to your chocolate um, <laughs> newlywed husband. I love this. Talk to me about the courtship. Paint a picture for us. Um, we were together about 17 years ago. And... Um, Mr. Smith said at that time marriage was overrated. Wait a minute. So wait a minute. 17 years ago, you guys dated. It was a great relationship. We were together for two years. Huh. Um, and it's kind of like what you spoke about. <clears throat> so I told him, you know, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life just being your girlfriend. I know that's so, right. I, on them two years, one day, I said, what is it? He said, marriage is overrated. And I said, okay, bye. I know that's right. I love a woman that understands her value and her capacity and her capability and can walk away. How did that feel when you walked away? Uh, It was painful, Mm. but I had to do it. He wasn't ready. I was ready. There There was nothing there, you know, as far as. Uh, us going to be one. So I knew that because he told me. And that was important to you. Yeah. So um, he called me for a long time. I'm like, I'm not answering this phone. (laughs) You said marriage is overrated. Oh, I like that, Mr. Everett. Let me pull you into our conversation here. So 17 years ago, you have this beautiful queen looking so marvelous to my left. And you're dating for two years. And then we hit a stone wall. Talk to me about the stone wall. It was very, like she said, painful. Um, unfortunately, I had just went through a divorce before we started dating. And it was a it was a long marriage, and it was really painful when I got a divorce. So, like she says, it, I was just in a bad place relationship-wise. Me and her, you know, had an excellent relationship. But I just wasn't married, ready to get remarried. You know, they, uh, they're ready to pull the bandit off again, you know, and... and I was, I was very vulnerable, you know, and I just, like I said, went through a bad marriage. So um, we had a great relationship and she was ready to, you know, have some closure and get married. You know, and I just wasn't married and I didn't want to do something I wasn't ready for. You know, so that was pretty much the biggest issue at the time. Okay, so here we are. 17 years ago, you, for whatever reason, you were married before. And during this two years of courtship, you didn't think you were healed enough. You didn't do your work, but you had moved on in a relationship that had um, was good for your soul. Absolutely. Had, had boosted you. Yes, ma'am. But as far as the commitment. Right. And again, that's what Barnes surveys saying that 70% of people, they want the fruits of what comes with marriage, but the commitment, the vow is just, 
What do you think, Mr. Everett? What do you think happened? Was it the vow? Was it the forever? Was it that you had not done your own work in terms of restoration and um, wholeness? Is that why you said that, not my words, that marriage was overrated? I think I was just um, speaking out of hurt and pain, and I didn't want to put her through that. You know, to have that long-term relationship I just went through on my previous marriage. And I think I was just scared, you know, of hurting her. I love that. That's what what more than anything else, you know. So I think I was just speaking out of my pain and it didn't come out right. (laughs) See, uh, thank you for being authentic. Uh Thank you for being vulnerable because you are owning because Candice over here was ready. That wasn't her story. She had found a fantastic person. She had found somebody that she believed she could spend the rest of her life with. But here you are enjoying her company, enjoying the relationship, enjoying everything about, you know, going out, about about going out, everything about her, but yet still your pain. Absolutely. Was the divide. It was. Did you communicate to her like, look, um, I like you. I like everything about you. But my pain, I cannot push past my pain. Help me to push past my pain. Give me a minute to push past my pain. Did you at any time communicate that? I probably did, just not properly. You know, and I think that's why it came across. And I think I just, I just kind of, you know, because I knew she was ready to get married and I just wasn't. And I think that's when it came out that I said it was overrated, you know, being in a safe space here. <laughs> and, but it's, um, it really, so we, we can, we can, we can allow the audience in. It wasn't that it was overrated. You were speaking out of your pain. Exactly. Out, out of, of my regret. pain. And then yes. not I wanted to, to go through that pain again. You know, of uh, uh, and and bring. I don't want to bring my baggage to my new marriage if we did get married. You know, so I still wanted to get myself prepared to be married again and make sure I was prepared properly. Okay, Miss Candice, it took him seventeen years <laughs> to deal with his 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 suitcase, his baggages, all the laundry, unwashed laundry. How did you cope? Because here you opened your space, opened your heart. Here you thought that this is the man. And when you heard that marriage was overrated, talk to me about your thoughts. Um, I was a bit of a hothead back then, but I've calmed down now. <laughs> How calm? <laughs> <laughs> I calmed down a lot. Okay. Um, I was hurt, but I had to go on because I was a single mom, three children, and... I refused to bring any man around my kids who wasn't ready. Oh, that's such a great standard. I love that. I love that even though you were hurt, even though it was difficult, even though you had your children from previous relationship, you were so careful and, and you put precautionary measures around that which was sacred to you. And you're saying, I would love to move on with you. 
I would love to be with you, but not at the price of not no commitment. Right. Okay. Talk to me, Mr. Everett, about now beautiful Candace slip through your hand. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're talking about a 17-year space. Yes, ma'am. Okay, let's fast forward this story and let's just come back together. And so 17 years later, you are hmm, reconnecting. (laughs) Yes. So um, after he said, you know, marriage is overrated, you know, we're going to keep bringing that up. Yes. Um, He got remarried. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So marriage was overrated for you at the time when you were ready. And Everett here was navigating from a divorce. And after you guys went your separate ways, he did what? Yeah, um, he's, <laughs> he was calling me. But like I said, I wouldn't answer because what, there's no more conversation for us to have. That's what I was thinking. And again, I was a hothead back then. So I was very stubborn, and I didn't want to hear nothing he had to say. I knew he loved me, but he wasn't ready. So when I found out that he had got married— Wait a minute. I keep coming back here. Wait a minute. I heard Candy said he got married. He got remarried. Everett, talk to me. You weren't ready. It was three years later, you know, so I stayed by myself. Wait, wait, wait a minute. So, (laughs) so wait— so within those three years, did you do your um, own work? Did you do some boundary work? Did you repair your walls? Or was it not liking the idea of being by yourself? Talk to the audience because you're helping people that have been divorced and have remarried, navigating this uncharted territory called the heart. Right, right. So talk to me about... How did you pick up the pieces and find um, this person? Well, you know, sometimes you have to uh, re-engage with yourself, you know, and um, I think I did that for a year. You know, sometimes you get lost in a marriage and you lose yourself, you know, so I had to I spend a year, re, you know, to refine myself and, and get some peace back within myself. Okay. Somebody listening might not understand what it means to lose yourself. Mm-hmm. Elaborate just a little on that, because at this space, we try to use our testimonies. Right. We try to use our story that we have already um, overcome. Right. So right. you're at the table because you guys have overcome all those difficulties, right? Mm-hmm. And how did you lose yourself in marriage? Sometimes, you know, especially as a man, you become so engaged in your marriage. So it's about getting up, taking care of the family, taking care of your wife, you know, taking care of the bills, taking care of this. And you kind of lose yourself. You don't spend time with yourself and refine yourself and, and reground with yourself. And um, when you lose your identity, you know, in a relationship, you know, then you just kind of lose yourself, I guess. I, that, that was myself, my personal testimony. Okay. You know, so. I, and that's good. Again, mm-hmm. thank you because thousands and thousands of people are hearing you and leaning in. Right. You lost yourself. You you were saying to me you were a great provider. You were present. but you gave so much that the balancing scale tipped. 
I think so. And sometimes you don't realize that until after the fact. Okay. You know, um, I'll give you an example. When I went through COVID, um, after me and Candace got together, I didn't realize I was in a depression, you know, because most black men, you know, we're not depressed, you know, we're just not having a bad day. And I think I was going through that at the time, you know, after I went through my divorce, you know, and I had to get myself emotionally ready again after that. You know, so it was just, uh, it was a tough time. It was a tough time. Um, you know, and back then, you know, there wasn't any therapy or, you know, anything like that where you can go to talk to somebody, you kind of self-contained, you know, so I think it kind of took a more of a mental toll on me. Okay, that's good. That's mm-hmm. good. That's so amazing and so vulnerable. Right. I love it. Okay, so for the the <clears throat> men out there that doesn't believe that mental health is important, therapy is important, counseling is important. You know, we're in Christian dome and we're believers and we understand that in the word of the Lord, there are precepts and there are, are counseling issues. I call Jesus the greatest therapist Absolutely. that I've ever lived. And there's a great book that's by that same title. And so, but you found yourself and you acknowledge that you were depressed. Right, right. But, you know, back then you didn't know what depression was, you know. I'm so happy that, um, you know, Charlemagne and these other, you know, celebrities that put that in the main, you know, to let you know that it's okay to hurt, you know, and let to release that hurt, you know, and, and not take it out of your relationship and take it out of yourself. Good. You know, I think that's what I was doing at the time. And I didn't want to bring that hurt and pain to Candace and bring it to our marriage. So Okay, that's good. Candace, let me bring you back in the conversation. So now you guys reconnected and Everett has opened up to you. Talk to me about reconnecting. Um, one thing he never did was call me after a certain time of night. Ooh, I love that. So when I got this call on Messenger at 12.01. Ooh, where the monsters come out. <laughs> I thought something was wrong. So I picked up. He's like, hello, Candace Johnson. Ooh, call you by your full name. <laughs> I was like, are you okay? He said, yes. I said, then why are you calling me this time of night? Breaking my boundaries. And he was like, I want to say Happy New Year. I said, oh, okay, Happy New Year. And we talked for a little bit. And I was like, I got to go to bed. You know, I got to get up. He called me back at 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> what are you doing? Sleep. You know. And so. you answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he doesn't do that. Okay, so, so you're curious. Yeah. And so finally he was like, um... Want to have lunch? At four o'clock. Yeah. And I'm like, you're married. And so that's when he went on to tell me that they were separated. He was very honest. Um, The next day he said, we're going to go to marriage counseling and try to work on, you know, see we can sever our marriage. And I said, well, okay, you need to do that. I encouraged him, you know, to try to make his marriage work. Okay. Um. And so we didn't talk again until January 23rd. And that's when he, I went to his house. He invited me over. He says, it's, it's over. It's done. He said I walked through his house looking around, <laughs> trying to see, you know, make sure everything was good. I don't remember that. Um, and from that day forth, you know, we've been together. Um, 
It was a long journey, and I've been proposed to a lot, but I always told everyone if he was to walk back into my life, he would be the one that I would marry. Oh, so you carried a candle. That's what they would say Mm -hmm. for him in your heart. So you had moved away from the relationship, but your heart didn't move on in sense of it had an uh, opening if he came back. Right. Okay. So now let me ask you a question. So now you try to go to counseling, marriage counseling, and this second marriage just did not work. Was it still in the state that you had not done your work? You had rebound. You were in depression, didn't recognize it. And so you were going through the motion, correct? And when did you like, okay, so here's Candace. You call her and you try to go to marriage therapy. It didn't work. And when did you start doing therapy on you and rebuilding your walls from the trauma? Because I I need to let people know that divorce is traumatic. It's very traumatic. We're talking about people that came together, have children, and no longer are communicating, no longer want to spend the rest of their lives together. And so it's traumatic. It's traumatic, whether it's infidelity, whether it's um, mental health illness, whether it's um, unforgiveness, whether it's just lack of communication, whatever the reasons are, it's trauma. And oftentimes we don't talk about that divorce is traumatic. It's a perpetual cycle because when you have children, that doesn't go away, right? So when did you recognize like, this is just not me feeling bluesy. This is just not me feeling down. I am in a deep place and I'm unable to shake myself out of it. Right. Right. I think, um, you know, as you get older and mature, you're more connected with yourself and more in check with your emotions. And, uh, you know, like I said, we had went to counseling and I had some private sessions and you, you really know more what you want in life. You know, at that point in time, thank God, some people suffer that their whole lives. They don't know what they want. You know, so at that point, I, I know what I wanted, you know, um, and like you said, it's very painful to go through a divorce you know, especially for a second time, even though it was a long term, it wasn't like it was a couple of years ago, but we did try to work it out. And um, some people you just can't change, you know, and you want them to change, but you just can't, you know, so you got to make a decision. Either you're going to live with this deficiency, I think the other person have or the deficiency you have within yourself, you know, and, and, and decide if you're going to live with that. Or if you can't, you just have to walk away because it became so stressful that I remember I went to the doctor <laughs> And the doctor says, whatever's stressing you out right now, it's going to give you a stroke or a heart attack. Wow. So uh, it was the one of the toughest decisions of my life, but I just had to, I had to walk away because I had to walk. That was the point, point in time I have to do it for myself now. Yes. You know, when I got more engaged with myself and realized that I have to, uh, if I can't take it myself first, I can't take care of anybody else. Yes. My slogan um, is self-care gives best care. Absolutely. So Miss Candice. Here you have this chocolate man 
that you've known for years, you walked away because you're, you wanted, you were not going to bring someone around your children without the commitment of a vow, because you already know that you wanted to spend your life with him. When did he bring up or did he bring up the conversation like, you know what, I'm in a dark place. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm stressed. And how or did you help him move through that and navigate those seasons? Um, I knew he was in a depression. Um, like you say, it's not easy to bring that up to a black man, right? And so I am in a mental health profession. Oh, that's great. Tell, tell us what kind of mental health work do you do? So we do counseling. We do group individual family therapy. Um, we also do some case management for people. Um, so I, I knew what it looked like. Based on your profession. Yes. So here you are, a professional in the mental health field. So here is your chocolate out there, um, just, you know, trying to come up for air. How did that look or how did that make you feel knowing that you didn't talk to him and you're not trying to diagnose him, <clears throat> but people that are in the mental health field, there are signs, there are words how did that make you feel seeing him with his, in his struggle? I tried to use language that would help him without helping him. How did you do that? So instead of just coming out and saying, you know, you're depressed, we would just have conversations. Okay. Okay. So a lot of times when people are depressed, they just need to have conversation. Okay. And so in the conversation needs to be in their normalcy, especially when they don't want to say that word out loud. Okay. In our culture, that's not a good word, right? So how do we normalize that? You can't normalize it, but you can adjust it and adapt it to that individual. And so that's what I did without using the word depression or mental illness because mental illness is not a good word in our culture as well. That's correct. And it's a, it's a wide scope. It is a very wide scope. So um, it was a dark area when I went to his house. It was dark. Um, the more we started spending time together. And you pressed through that. Yeah. He, he was worth redeeming. He was. He was my friend. Ah, so you were going to help with your professional background to help your friend. Yes, we've always been good friends. Always, 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 always been good friends. And out of my respect for our friendship, I never contacted him during his second marriage. Okay. Because I didn't want to cause any type of second thought because I knew he loved me. Now, Mr. Everett, why you be why you be doing that? You see, that's not proper English. <laughs> why you be doing that? I mean, look, look, here, here we are at the table, right? And it's behind you. So we 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 give God the praise for navigating different seasons and we're helping people and, and you're telling your story. Here you are. You love this caramel beauty over <laughs> here, right? And you Moved on ahead, 
right, into something with someone else, right, that you thought it would work. But did you even get over opening up your life to Candice, your heart? You know, because a lot of times, a lot of times, and this is conversation, we can talk, you can jump in at any time. A lot of times I, I notice with, with people, male or female, they are coming out of a relationship and they believe getting into another relationship will heal them because that will take up time that will keep them away from the loneliness and, and you're a mental health professional, um, Candice, and we're all believers. So tell me how effective is that when you move from one relationship to another relationship without doing your work, without taking accounting, without accounting for where did it go wrong? What did I do? Did I lose myself? Talk to me about, does that work? No. Oh, you said no so quick. Because you're bringing, if you don't, if you can't acknowledge what happened and try to work on the situations that occurred or the trauma, and you you would carry that into your next relationship, you, you can't shield it behind a smile. So it will come out in some part of your relationship. You mean you can't go to church and shout over it? But it's still going to be there. I mean, you... It's an inner... No, no, wait a minute. You mean you can't preach over it? It's an inner thing. What do you mean? It's because a, you can preach to a person about loving themselves, believing in themselves, talk, giving themselves self-talk every day. But if they don't believe it, it's not going to work. Okay, wait a minute. Candice, you're telling me as a mental health, a Christian who is a mental health professional with your agencies, you're saying to me that we can't just drink the happy juice. We can't just get happy, happy and just shout, shout, shout. And we cannot just move into a relationship without doing our own work, whether it's a misnomer, whether it is a negative word, how do we as a Christian community, as a community, how do we navigate this landscape about um, about how do we navigate the, the landscape about mental health, about if you are divorced or you're going through a divorce, you need to get professional help. And would you say, this is going to be a landmine, but I want to go there. This is a landmine. It's going to like explode. Are you telling me that just going to your pastor may not be enough? It's not. The pastor can give you the tools. The counselor can give you the tools, but if you don't utilize and use those tools in your daily life. Did you say daily life? Daily. Okay. It's it's a waste of time. What good is talking to your pastor or your counselor and they're giving you everything you need to survive and they're putting you in an uncomfortable space if you don't use it? So using the tools that a counselor or a pastor gives you is an uncomfortable space. Uncomfortable space. Mr. Everett, 
join in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Were you uncomfortable when you normalize? I'm going to use that word mm-hmm. for yourself. And you said to yourself, when you owned it, we understand that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We understand biblically speaking. We understand that. But when you did when you owned it, like, wait a minute, I'm just not having the Monday blues. Right, right. The Tuesday, like I didn't get any rest. The Wednesday, maybe I don't have enough money. The Thursday is her fault. The Friday is the kids' fault. Right. Saturday is the community's fault. Sunday is the preacher's fault. When did you say to yourself, I cannot climb this bridge and stay up there and not come down? Talk to us about that because you're helping people as a man of God. You have now gotten into two marriages. You have a beautiful woman that loves you. That is your your friend, your, your best friend, your good friend. She's watching you floundering. She's she has the tools. She have the the the, the agency. She knows the language. She knows the look. Mm-hmm. And you have a paper bag over your head, right? And and you're trying to breathe. Talk to us about when you acknowledge it owned it, and when you got help for this depression so you can move on. That was one of the hardest times of my life when when Candace and I broke up. And you got to understand, Pastor Williams, back then, best thing you do was MySpace. <laughs> you know, there was no Facebook. There was none of that. So when she got missing, she got, like, I, I didn't know how to contact her. Wait a minute. She just got ghost. Well, it's like she said, she just stopped. I called her. She wouldn't answer the phone. I mean, you know? she had boundaries. Yeah. So. I mean, she's a professional. Right. She enact what she learned in school, like put up walls and put a gate in there and peeked out and said, oh, it's Everett. Nope. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was like marriage or, or nothing, you know, at the time. And, and she wanted what she wanted. And I understood that, you know, but, and I but just wasn't wait, ready. She, she said marriage or nothing. And you said it's overrated. Yet still, three years later, nonetheless, um, you move into another relationship. Well, I think, you know, you, you, you change. As a person, you know, if you realize you're not ready at something at the point in time, then you can become a person that is ready after you fix your problems first. You okay. Know? And I had to to get rid of baggage and the guilt from my last marriage. Okay. You know, and I was hoping at the time that Candace, you know, would wait for that because I, I just wasn't ready. <laughs> I just wasn't ready. Oh, so you wanted Candace to just... um take three years of her life and just wait until Everett decide. No, I mean... I, and I'm just saying that because there's many Everett's out there mm-hmm. that are saying to the woman, just wait, wait until I get myself together. How long is that wait supposed to be? Because you weren't at the time we understand that in the community, we can say we're depressed or we have mental health breakdown and it's always easier to put the shoe on the other foot. It's always easier to say, you know what? It was so-and-so's fault. It was so-and-so's fault, right? And what we learn in counseling is that you respond out of your place of your trauma, Mm -hmm. out of your trauma, whether your trauma happened at five, at seven, abandonment, neglect, um, fear, 
daddy issue, mama's issue, societal issues, environmental issues. You're stuck at the place of your trauma. And oftentimes we go into marriages, we go into relationships, and we don't understand that you carry you and all your toys, all your baggages with you. And here you're trying to, my husband says that in marriage is until death do we start. Mm-hmm. So if we have two human beings coming into a relationship and they are um and they are alive, right? Their trauma is preventing intimacy. Their trauma is preventing excellent communication. Their trauma is preventing to say, you know what? Something is going on medically. Um, my mood, my mood swings, my withdrawals, my holding back my um, sense of being, I'm not being respected. So sometimes we come into relationships, but we don't know this because there's not a lot of, at that time, a lot of education. There's not a lot of times that we can open ourselves. And in the Christian community, it, it's it's really a dogma. It's It's really some of the things that we think that as long as we're saved, that we don't have our souls. Mm-hmm. Right. And that our souls are not bankrupt. And I oftentimes tell people that your spirit is perfect. It's that soul issue. Right. That you store all of your experiences in. And if you don't help that little boy, if you don't go and get that little boy, that little boy will have a grown, an adult's body, an adult's responsibility, <laughs> but a child that is stuck in the trauma. And it takes um, professional. It takes godly counsel. It takes skill. It takes years of going to school. It takes the Holy Spirit aiding that counselor. It takes the Holy Spirit aiding that professional for you now to come to terms and says, okay, Everett has a issue. Now talk to me, Candice, you know, your friend is is being challenged. You love him so. You're using languages that will draw conversation without emasculating him, without damaging him so much more. Now talk to me about, okay, he admitted it and now you're helping him. And talk to me about the beautiful courtship. Now that you have a second chance, talk to me about Everett have done his work. His Because you know, it's a lifelong work. We understand right, that. Right. Talk to me. Um, when I walked through the door, he was like, you're not leaving. I'm going to marry you. I'm like, yeah, right. Whatever. Marriage is overrated. Right. He's like, we're not going to do that. So, um, we dated, we was going out doing what we always done. It's almost like we just picked up where we left off. Okay. Um, then he got sick with COVID and it was really scary, you know? So I stayed there. Oh, you stayed and took care of him? For two weeks. He couldn't What happened to the kids? Well, my kids are grown. Okay, okay. All right, because I'm like, you AWOL here? Okay, okay. All right. My kids are grown. Okay. So um, I stayed there for two weeks. And nursed him back to health. Made sure um, he was stubborn. Even though you stayed for two weeks helping him after he put you on ice for 17 years? Because he was my friend. What a woman you are. I need to get your number. <laughs> I don't have that in me, but go ahead. It's yeah, your story. And so um, I, I did that. Um, he was real sick. And it was to the point where I told him, look, we're get, I'm getting ready to call 911. You're getting ready to go to the hospital. He didn't want to go. 
I said, if you don't want to go, I'm going to call your mama. Okay, use that mama thing on him. Bring the mama card out. I did. I brought the mama card out. Yeah. Did it work? Well, the next day he started, the fever broke. Oh. Oh, so your mama's boy. The fear of mama. Yes, he is. The fear of mama or your mama's boy? Mama, both. Oh, both, yeah. I'm definitely a mama. Oh, see, see. See, now the story's coming together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and so um, it, it was a nice courtship. You know, I got- What my, did you love most about it? The attention. Oh, so he just, he just poured everything into you. Um, yeah, I got my flowers probably once a week or- And you love that? Twice a week. Yeah, we go out to eat. Um, we'll go out on dates. Um, and I love the fact too that my kids loved him. Oh, you worked on the kids, you well, you naughty <laughs> man. Okay, so you 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 went be, you went behind the scene. So you you pulled the the, the kids' oh, card. Well, see, my kids, my twins. So I have twin sons. Yes. So uh, they was part of a program, and he they he was almost like their mentor, or whatever. Oh, see, he was there from they were from time they were four years old okay. up until they were like 13, 14. Okay. And so everything was Mr. E, Mr. E. So I used to threaten them. If you don't do this, you can't go with Mr. E this weekend. <laughs> and so uh, they would be asleep before I could even get in the room because they knew that they were going with Mr. E. Um, So even with them, it's almost like their relationship just picked up where it left off. OK, Um. But the courtship, it was nice. It was really, really nice. Um, on the last day of his COVID, because I will fuss at him, stop coming outside. You can't come outside. You can't go to work because I also did COVID testing. And I'm telling him, you can't. You got to follow these rules. So we would go back and forth with that. Um, and then one day he called me and asked me to meet him at the boardwalk. And I was like, you ain't supposed to be out. You still in your isolation days. And you better not come out. You're going to affect somebody. And he was like, didn't listen. So I get there and he says, what if I ask you to marry me? I said, don't play with me. If you ain't got a ring, I ain't trying to hear this conversation. So what is it that you want? And then he pulled out the ring. I said, oh, you for real. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a sucker for love. Oh, he suckered you in. My God, Mr. Everett, talk to me about putting on your game face. I mean, this this time you you you've been married twice. You've admitted that you were going through some depressive episode, and that you came out of that dark place because you got professional help. And now the courtship begins for real, for real. This time, this is not overrated. This is the woman in your dreams that's haunted you, and now you are going to make good on it. Talk to me about your pursuit of Candace? Well, it was a long journey, you know, um, like I said, and like she said, you know, she, we just broke apart, you know, and I couldn't get in contact with her. And like I said, I spent some time myself and then I was ready to start dating again, which I did. And, um, you know, my second wife and I, you know, we were married for, for a while, you know, and it just wasn't a good fit, you know, and at the point in time, we both realized that. And then Facebook came along and I had the message, you know, Candace, and that's when I found her again. Oh, you stalked her. Okay. We got that. <laughs> nah, okay. We got kinda, that. Kinda, you know, yeah, but yeah. I it's always okay. Had, you I always, got her. So you stalked her. I you always got her. had feelings for her. You know, yes. But one thing, we never overstepped our boundaries. You know, got I never that. called her when I was married, you know, and that's, we've always had that level of trust. You know, so I, that's one thing I really appreciated about her. Um, So I felt kind of bad because I was at the end of my marriage, you know, but I, and I reached out to her, you know, and I, 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 and I told her. 
know, said, you know, I don't want to, you know, lead you on or anything like that, but, you know, I'm just wanting to reach out to you, see how you're doing, see how the kids are doing. Because at that point in time, we hadn't spoken in probably about 15 years or so. It was a long, oh, it was a long time. time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then my divorce went through, you know, and but we were just back to square one again. Okay. Uh, and like Brian McKnight says, back to one. Yeah, (laughs) back to one. And it was like you're a smooth um, operator. It was like you know watching the soap opera that you hadn't seen in a long time. You just pick right back up where you left off at. You know, and it's well, I don't know about soap opera, but yeah, I I get it. I get it. I know. I was watching all my all my my children. My mother. I was like, dang, come on, it's the same thing was when I was a kid. You know, it's the same characters. (laughs) 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 But you know, it was it was just great. You know, because we kind of like she said, we picked up where we left off at, and uh, I don't think you can put an expiration date. Or, you know, on depression or anything like that. You know, I don't... That's good. Some people can have that forever. Some people just can't be fixed. You know, Why so. is that? I mean, that's a strong statement that some people cannot be fixed. Expound on that for me. I just I just feel that, you know, some people's emotional injuries are, just might be too deep. You know, they, maybe they continue to get therapy. You know, I don't think you're ever undepressed or that, that feeling can't come back again. You know, As a professional just, counselor, when you hear that, talk to me from your, not your personal relationship, but put on your professional hat and address that statement. I don't like to use the word fixed in mental health because no one can be fixed. Um, symptom management is a better word or better words. Um If you can practice symptom management, then you can make it through life daily. What does symptom management look like? So it just depends on what you're going through in your depression. Again, trauma causes depression, and there's different levels of it. So if your depression is your self-esteem, Okay, so that's something that you have to work on daily. So you got to get up in the morning. You may do self-talk. You may have little cards on your mirror while you're brushing your teeth saying, I am somebody. You know, I love me. But when you make these statements, what are you doing to show that you love yourself, that you are somebody? Are you trying to prove it to yourself or are you trying to prove it to the world? So those are questions that we ask That's good because let's bring the Bible in here. We know that Elijah, the prophet, had called down fire. We know that he called down fire. But when Jezebel sent out a threat to him, he ran and he found himself in a dark place. Most often when you go and you've done counseling, Christian counseling, these are stories that we draw on to help people to identify that you're not alone, that you're not by yourself, that this is not new to God, that it's in the Bible. It might not be called in the Bible depression, but these mood swings, these modes, the hiding, the the extreme fear, the terror. Here's this prophet that called down fire, was running. And he was in a state of depression. We have David. He said his soul is cast down. So we can pull on stories in the Bible where people were at low moments. We had Jonah 
who was under a tree and asked God, just kill me, take me. And, and so we don't need to, to skew away. We don't need to not have these conversations in churches. And we understand that God is um, able to call, to cause all grace to abound towards us. But I believe that these stories are left in the Bible as footprints in the sand. So when life starts to happen and challenges come, and whether it's because of trauma, whether it's because of your brain not functioning, what we would call normalcy, and things are not working like it should, and your stress, and there's difficulties. I love to go to the stories of these people, the Jonas, the Elijah. And so I'm hearing you talk. And I took a moment to say that when you said that triggered something that it cannot be fixed, right? But I also believe that when you're doing your work, whether you have depression or whether you're married and you feel you're okay, you still got to do daily work. Absolutely. And that's where people fail to realize that marriage is not automatic. Marriage doesn't work by itself. Marriage is an institution. It's two people coming together from different backgrounds with different experiences. Sometimes they go to the same church, the same faith background, yet still, I call it the, the night stalkers, the shadows It comes when you're not applauding. It comes when you take your suit off. It comes when you take your hat. It remove your makeup, remove your lashes, remove whatever you added to make you feel good. And you're looking in that mirror. And oftentimes we come into marriages and we don't say to our partners, this is a this has been a challenge for me. I have mood swings. But I don't, I need help. So that's how domestic violences come in marriage. That's how um, speaking to people, call, name calling, we call it the street fight with words, come into place because we're not accepting and owning that you can be gifted, but be depressed. Absolutely. You can be gifted. Your gifting has nothing to do with a chemical imbalance. Your gifting has nothing to do with a with trauma. Your giftings doesn't have anything to do with what your body is giving off and you're unable to cope. So now that you, you you've said that, I wanted to just address that because for me in our ministry, we've trained at least 15 people to identify people when they come into ministry that, wait a minute, this, we know that all disease come from satanic influence. We know that, that God is not the author of sickness or disease. We understand that, but we understand that that person is not demon possessed, that this person actually is having a medical episode. This person is having challenges and it has nothing to do with demons because oftentimes we see people act up, act out, and we want to say, oh, I need to cast the devil out of that. But you can't cast the devil out of depression. 
Right. So talk to me now that you've persuaded to marry you. And she said, yes. How big was the ring after 17 years? I'm hoping that it's so big you couldn't. <laughs> I mean, like. Well, I don't have the first ring on. Okay. Because it's too big. Yes, it's nice. It's nice. It's nice. After 17 years, I would have somebody holding my hand up, okay? All right. And carrying that ring, right? This should be like eight carrots, right? Like, I can't. Security, (laughs) security. Okay. So now you've courted her. Now you know that this woman has standards. This woman. Has um is a professional. This woman is no nonsense. She love you, but she leave you. See, I love that. She love you. She will walk away if you cannot come to the table clean, clear, and state your case. So now she said yes. Talk to me about now that she said yes. And talk to me about you got married. Did you get married in the church house, at the courthouse, <laughs> or at your house? <laughs> Wow. (laughs) That's a safe space. I mean. Yeah, it was, you know, I I was ready now. (laughs) Okay, you're in a hurry. No, you are in a hurry now. You're not getting away this time. Okay. So um, we we literally went to Vegas. (laughs) Okay. So you went to Elvis' house. Okay. (laughs) You know, we we had plans on having, you know, the, the traditional one. But I was ready, and I wanted to make sure she didn't get away this time. Okay, you know, so. so you put a ring on it. I put a ring on it, and 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 in in Jamaica, they said we you bagged it, yes, ma'am. right. And so now you went to Vegas, and you're like, I'm not going to waste any time. And you were game, so I played with it a little bit. Oh, you played with him? Toward How long? Two days? I told him no. It was like six months. Okay, um, about six months. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not marrying you like this. I'm not because I'm my only child. Okay. And I said, I'm going to get my mother a wedding because it's not fair to cheat her from the, uh, out of that. And I've never been married. Yeah. So I want a wedding. <laughs> and so, well, he kept on, kept on. So I was like, well, come on here. Let's go get this ring. <laughs> come on. So I went and I got his ring. And I said, well, come on. It was like the day before we was getting ready to leave. I said, come on, let's go. Let's go get married. He looked at me like, what? I said, well, come on. You said you wanted to get married. <laughs> So we went and the guy that married us, he was looking at us like we was crazy because he kept playing around. So you got, you did get the marriage. Wait a minute. because We got to make sure this is legal here. Okay. You know, I'm all for the legal stuff. So you did get a marriage certificate. Oh, we did all that. Okay. Okay. Because we, we don't want to skip no step here. No. We oh, yeah. did go and get it legal because this was an Elvis impersonator. Yeah. We're not playing with this. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we went and got the paperwork. Okay. We did and, this. And all right. You, you heard that listeners. They did do it right. Yesterday yes. they went to Vegas. Okay. Because Everett is like, you know, I want her. And I got to have her. And now she play hard to get. And then she gave him a six months run. Now they went to Vegas. You're married. So you're honeymooning in Vegas. No, we actually came back the next day. Okay. And um, and that's when I told him, I said, so uh, we got to have a regular a wedding, a church wedding, married. Right. Yes. So it took a whole year. So August 6th of 2022. Is when we had our wedding. Oh, so you had a you had a Vegas wedding, and then you gave her a church wedding. Yes. So now that you both 
You've been married twice. You've never been married. You're professional, have your professional um, businesses. And and Mr. Everett, you're professional too, because she's going to marry a professional, right? Yes, and, and so how did you guys um, come together in terms of who house we living in? We actually got a new house. Oh, talk to me about that. Okay, I love that. So you have your house apartment. What do you have? Well, I had a house and uh, Candace pretty much stayed with me, but we did make plans, you know, to get our own place and that way we can start fresh. So okay. That's exactly what we did. Yeah, because I kept my place because... You're a smart girl. <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> so... I uh, uh, want to buy two to sell in this state. Yeah. Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> This is safe space. We're still rolling with it. That's I'm true. just saying, there's two want to buy two to sell. So Miss Candice is like, okay, I'm a businesswoman. Okay, I know Mr. Everett over here. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna come together. I'm gonna keep what's mine because I got kids, and um, we're going to buy a house so we can start fresh. Right. So he was on the road all the time in his truck. So I said, well, I can't be waiting for you to come home off the road. Let me go ahead. I had already been working. So even before him and I got back together, I had plans. Yes. And I wasn't going to deter from my plans because him and I got together. And that my plans was not going to stop. Okay. And my goal, I had already started working with a, a realtor. So... um it just made me push a little bit faster and a little bit harder once we got married. And so while he was on the road, I took care of everything. I got the house. I showed him the house. Um, he didn't think I knew what I was doing. You handle business. And when he seen the house, he was like, oh, my God. Oh, this is nice. Oh, I said, mm-hmm. So all he had to do was come. I did Everything. I wanted him to have a home, not a house, but a home. And you created that space. You're such you're such a nurturer. I can sense that you're a nurturer and you love him enough and you have helped to nurture him back to wholeness, to health, where he can own his, <clears throat> his, the, the things that challenges him and continue to do his work. Now, Mr. Everett, you're still on the road driving? Yeah, I had a, I had a trucking company and... Uh, Asphalt and concrete company. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so you're you're home at six o'clock. No. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. So you're on the road. So Miss Candace, you waited seventeen years. I mean, how are you navigating newly wed with him on the road? I don't expect for him to change who he is. Okay, that's good. That's mature. Uh, and what he do? Okay, so. If that's his business, that's his business. And either I'm going to support it or I'm not going to support it. Um, He's out there. He's working. He's not in the streets. Why would I come in between that? Oh, that's mature. Ladies, did you hear that? She is not trying to change him. She's trying to come alongside him and help him to be his best him. And while he... Your new man is on the road. Your husband. How does it feel to say husband after 17 years? Um, it, I was shocked. At first, I was like, wow, am I really saying this? I'm married. <laughs> 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 you know? So it was it was different. I loved it, though. Oh, yeah. You know? And how do, what, what do you call him? On what day? 
uh, on your good day, <laughs> on your good day, on your safe day. This is safe space. This is PG, G, <laughs> general audience. Um, no, um, I'll call him Everett. I'll call him Baby. I'll call him Smitty. Okay. And what do you call your, your, your new bride? Candace Smith all the time. I just love saying I that. I, tell, I said, <laughs> you love saying that, don't you? <laughs> Candace Smith. So, um, Mr. Everett, talk to me. Now that you're married, where did you take her to the honeymoon? Well, we were not on the honeymoon. We were in Vegas, so we were on <laughs> vacation. You came back time. one day. Oh, no, no, we stayed, what, for three days? And no. then we came back the next day. Yeah. Yeah. But we, um, we got married on August 6th. And we haven't had a honeymoon. Okay, yeah. see, I like yeah. I like Candace. See, grand. Everett, we, 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 <laughs> you and I, you need to pull up at my table when there's no cameras. What I'm saying is, where is the honeymoon, the delayed honeymoon going to be? Oh, we're working on it now. We're, we're going to do a cruise. Yeah, we've been working on it. Okay. So you're going to... Either cruise or Africa. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's my... Um, that's also something that's been... I've been working on for about two or three years. Um, I wanted to go to Africa. I wanted to get some property over there. I wanted to bring some business to Africa to help them over there. Africa is big. Which, which part of Africa we so, going? So I want to do Nigeria, uh, Kigal, or Ghana. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so you're staying on the west side. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're going to be West Africa. I've been there, so you know. You know, I've been to West Africa, so I understand. So you're getting out really easy. So you, so talk to me now that you guys are married and it's been two years, two years that you're married. How are you feeling about this new marriage? What's different? Um, I mean, it's, it's pretty much the same to me. You know, we always had a great relationship. We're just married now. It can't be the same. Why is that? Because... Um, you've never married her. So, mm-hmm. with, you know, courting and dating and being married is different spiritually. There's a different demand. She was not. She was Candace Johnson. See, I remembered. Okay. She wasn't Candace Smith. Right. So when your girlfriend, you don't get wife privileges. Mm-hmm. So now that she is legal, she's Candace Smith. How does it feel in terms of? The normalcy. What are you doing differently? Uh, it feels good to have her as my wife now. You know, uh, it, it's uh, I just love being married to her. You know, so that that's that's really what I really love and what I always wanted. So I feel really good to have that in my life, to have that that committed part to it. You know? What's what's two things that you would say stand out to you about Candice that sets her above everything right now? Uh, the beauty and pride. You know, the beauty and pride and having her, you know, she's beautiful to me. And I'm just, just prideful to have her as my wife. Yes. Absolutely. And Candice, tell me two things about Everett, not Everett the friend, but Everett the husband that you love so much. There's many things, but give me two things. Um, He's a provider and protector. Uh-oh. So you know how to bring the bacon home. Yes, ma'am. You bring all the money home. Yes, ma'am. Who wouldn't like that? Absolutely. And 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 te- talk to me now that you understand that um, Everett has been married before. You've never been married. You guys bought a new home. You're all in. He's a businessman. You're a businesswoman. How do you guys date? Do you have a set time that you court and date? Or are you just trying to feel marriage out right now? 
<clears throat> well, now we, because we have so much going on, um, we said we put Saturdays aside um, for a date night. Um, sometimes things come up and we can't do a Saturday, so we'll do a Sunday. Or sometimes we'll be together all weekend and don't even realize it. <laughs> So um, it's just you know, and I have we have our grandson there now. Okay, um, he's three, and so we work around that. Of course, his aunt, and his uncle helps out, but for the most part, we do have. Okay, so do you guys find time to worship together? Do you guys find time to pray together and have devotion together? Seeing that marriage, just being friends, is not enough. Right. Talk right. to me about that, sir. You being the man of the house. Yeah, we we pray on a regular basis, you know, and have devotions on a regular basis, and I think that's a good basic foundation for our marriage that, that makes it even stronger. You know, we're, we're definitely on the same level when it comes to our spiritual level. Yes, ma'am. You would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so talk to me, Everett. You seem like you are an even keel guy. Mm-hmm. What? How do you find? I mean, he's playing games with me here, <laughs> but that's okay. You know. So now that you have Candice here. I'm saying to you, what brings you pleasure and joy? Just spending quality time together. You know, we just have a good time, and even when we're not doing anything, so it doesn't take much. It's just we need quality time together. I just we just love being together. That's okay, so you so in you being married to Candice, mm-hmm. Candice Smith, not Johnson anymore, right? Candice Smith, how are you checking in with yourself to not lose yourself this time? Uh continued therapy. I'm still continuing to go to therapy, you know, and uh, just just try to stay grounded, you know, and, and just continue to check my emotions, you know, and uh, just therapy. Therapy has been a big help. Therapy for you. It. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And what about you, Candice? Because you, you can't babysit a grown person. How do you keep being a mental health um, coach, a professional how do you do you get therapy or how do you ground yourself? All clinicians have therapy. I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> I would hoping you say that. That's correct. Because we deal with a lot of trauma as well. Yes. Um, we take on a lot of people's uh, situations and then we have our home situation. Right, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, it's still a situation. And so, if we're not going to talk to someone, we might be that other person that's coming to us that has the suicidal ideations, the depression, the anxiety. So, it is important for me to stay in therapy. Okay, we're going to take a break. You just heard Candice say. It's important that she, all clinicians, do therapy. That is so profound. Every pastor needs a pastor. Every counselor needs a counselor. Every doctor needs a doctor. We are going to take a break. And I hope that this segment has inspired someone that maybe have faltered along the way, that might have gone through divorce and are in a in a dark place right now, that there's hope. There's always hope for the believer. There's always hope in therapy, that there are many, many open doors now that you don't have to stay in the dark space and ruin another human being. 
Let's take a break. This is your prophetic purpose pusher, Pastor Denise, saying this is your safe space. And stay tuned for episode two when we're talking to Candice and Everett Smith. Wow, how inspiring. That concludes this episode of Safe Space. We pray that something was shared that blessed your life and touched your heart. If you're like me, you can't wait for the next episode. So meet us right here at the intersection of life and hope. This is your safe space with Pastor Dee.